and welcome back to yet another episode of Just Saying Sports with Jake and Sean. My name is Jake Atnip. I am your host today. With me out in Indianapolis is the great Sean Dwyer. You know what to do. How you doing? I think everybody is doing quite all right. You know, NFL football back in full swing. We gave you our pickums from week one. And since we flaked a little bit on this week, we wanted to make sure we brought you some reactions from the first couple of weeks of the NFL season. There have been a few teams who have caught our eye uh, who we're going to talk about today, including the Oakland Raiders, the Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Chicago Bears, and somebody who hasn't quite caught our eye, the Detroit Lions. Uh, we're we're going to save them to the end so we don't get too, too uh, worked up before we get into our analysis but Sean had a nice weekend back home with the family got to come back to Michigan how was it oh it was wonderful spend time with people I know and everything it was great <laughs> you still you still feeling a little lonely down there in Indianapolis eh, every now and then but you know not really yeah I, I feel you I feel you we're both far away from the family both far away from each other it's been it probably now that I think about it, this has probably been the longest that we've gone without seeing each other in about four or five years I know. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to my amazing girlfriend for helping me get up there this weekend, though. I love her. Oh, yeah. She's Meg. She's she's such a sweetheart. For all of our listeners who don't know, you know, I'm her second boyfriend, but Sean won't tell you that out loud. Um, But that's the type of relationship that we all have is a nice, big, loving family. Of course, we're not polygamous, but we like to think so. What the heck? But (laughs) before before we get too far into our personal lives. We'll go ahead and get into this week's breakdown. Uh, Sean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot this one to you to get started off with. The Oakland Raiders, they've shown flashes of greatness. John Gruden, new head coach. What's your knee-jerk reaction on the Oakland Raiders' performance over the first two weeks of the season? Not good. Um, really not good. I think that the Oakland Raiders' season is going to be marred and looked at the window of, well, the Khalil Mack issue, and that's what, what would have been if we had Khalil Mack. You know, John Gruden came out and made the ridiculous, hilarious statement of, well, you know, we needed a better pass rush against the Rams. Yeah, that's, that, that, that didn't <laughs> hold up so well. If you look at him in just the last two weeks, even playing on Monday night this week, he had a couple strip sacks, like pass rush. What are you talking about? I'm looking at it more of a different kind of point of view. I think the Raiders' season is done. I don't think they're going to make a lot of noise. And I saw an interesting – I don't remember where I saw it, but I saw an interesting take on the Raiders. And that is looking at it as, you know, Gruden has been so supportive of David Carr coming out from the Derek Carr. Took over. Derek Carr, yeah. Played more like David Carr the second half against the Rams. <laughs> okay, that's where you got mixed <laughs> up at. But um, listening to this and reading what I saw earlier, I don't think that Gruden is buying into Carr for the long term. And, you know, just he, the guy said, you know, you look at some of the offseason moves that the Raiders made, looking at them as a team that's building. But then when you turn and look at them as a team that doesn't have their franchise quarterback, a lot of the moves make sense. Dealing Khalil Mack for first-round picks looks like a team that's going to be in the quarterback market sooner rather than later. And so that's just one of the things I think to keep an eye on through the season is how much does Gruden say on Carr? Where does he go for on Derek Carr? during the season. I think that might be a problem for Oakland and coming through the rest of the season. Well, I think that's really interesting because Derek Carr is that guy who kind of broke the 
the quarterback salary, the quarterback salary brigade uh, exactly. that turned into this whole big thing. He he made the jump from basically a hundred million all the way up to being like a hundred and twenty million dollar man. And if he's not going to get the production out in Oakland, I guess that is a logical question is, you know, when, when do you pull the plug? He does have, he does have weapons. You can't say he doesn't. He has Amari Cooper. He has Jordy Nelson. He's got guys on the outside who are known playmakers. I mean, Amari Cooper, I guess, really hasn't proven himself completely to me yet in the NFL. I know a lot of people have high, high hopes on him, but I think that might have to do partly with Derek Carr. Um, not being able to give all that production that Amari Cooper deserves. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing that I thought of. And then, um, you know, Gruden, you know, he's the spider two white banana quarterback camp guy. And if these are the moves that a coach makes knowing that they're not going to have, they don't have the solution at quarterback. And that's really concerning for me if I'm an Oakland Raiders fan, thinking that when we, like you said, just gave him a giant contract, and you've got Gruden coming in. It was supposed to be a win-now approach. That's what it was sold as. And I, it's not looking like that. They're 0-2 through two weeks. They, got, they were leading the Rams at halftime. They came out flat in the second half and got blown out in the second half of that game. They lost to Denver yesterday by a point when they were ahead by, oh, I think two. they were ahead by one point by two scores. And so the, things aren't looking good for Oakland right now. And that actually kind of segues good into the team that I'm going to talk about next with the Kansas City Chiefs. And, uh, and I, you know, I'm not surprised by their production over the first two weeks at all. Um, the big thing that I'm surprised about, you know, is that Patrick Mahomes has fit so perfectly in there. But after taking retrospect, you really think, you know, they have built that team without a quarterback. I'm not saying that Alex Smith was not a viable quarterback, but Alex Smith was somebody to get them by until they could grab a Patrick Mahomes. Alex and, Smith was the game changer. But, no, exactly. But he was there to get them by until they got somebody like Patrick Mahomes because what they needed in their game was a quarterback with a cannon. And that's exactly what Patrick Mahomes has to hit Tyreek Hill downfield, to give Travis Kelsey those 15-plus yard looks that he is so good at. And that Andy Reid offense is absolutely incredible. And that's the one thing is – I do think most quarterbacks would be able to go to Kansas City and succeed. And I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes is just any other quarterback or, you know, that he's not the right guy. But I think that Andy Reid's system is definitely perfectly set in place with that organization, with that team, with the weapons that they have, that it's set Patrick Mahomes up perfectly to start out his career the way that he is. You know, with him being so young and coming right off the rip and just through six touchdowns in week two, which is outrageous to think for a, for a rookie. Who, who's playing his first few games. But I think that says a lot about what Kansas City has been able to do over the last few years in building in a team before they got their franchise quarterback. So they built a team good enough, not just offensively, but we can't even, we cannot discredit their defense. The Kansas City Chiefs defense has been solid for a, over a, about five years, you know, been solid since Andy Reid stepped foot there. They have had no big time issues. The biggest thing happened is when Eric Berry went out and they still had guys step in and make big, make big enough plays, you know, on a weekly basis, they are going to, they're more likely to be in a shootout than to be in a defensive struggle. But I think that was the point of, you know, putting the team together that they have with a young Kareem Hunt, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. You talk about those weapons on offense in the NFL. And I don't know if you can find a better conglomeration of talent at all positions. 
if Mahomes can really pan out the way that they want him to, and it's starting to look like he will, uh, I think Kansas City has done a really good job of putting themselves in contention uh, to actually make some waves this year uh, in the NFL. So are you ready to come over to my side of the uh, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes talk we had in our fantasy football show? Well, <laughs> the sophomore slump seems to be extremely real for Deshaun Watson. Patrick Mahomes is a sophomore too. He just but didn't play last. I time. know, but but we're talking about full on. So by sophomore, I, I still call Mahomes a rookie because these are the first games that he's played and started. Deshaun Watson did a whole nine game stint last year, and this is his his second year at, at turn. And I think people haven't seen Mahomes yet. People haven't seen his cannon of an arm, and now they have a chance to you know kind of game plan for that. But uh, I, I'll stick on my Deshaun Watson side just to be a stickler because I'm still hoping that he can pull something out this season because uh, he is a phenomenal athlete and a good quarterback. But, you know, we talked about that ACL injury and if he was going to be able to come back after taking time off after just being in the NFL for a second, and it's not looking so hot for him. No, and speaking of teams just trying to squeak by at the moment, we're going to switch over to the Chicago Bears, who I want to talk about next. And, you know, they had the uh, – the second coming of football Jesus with Aaron Rodgers coming back off the cart last week to pretty much just gun them down in the second half, which was an amazing performance by the, that bad man, Aaron Rodgers. The bad, bad, bad man. And now, you know, the Bears are trying to hold on right now against the Seahawks late in the or middle of the fourth quarter, 17-10. But the Bears have really impressed me the last two weeks in spurts when we're watching these nationally televised games. Just in, like, little pockets, you see stuff from the Bears that you haven't seen in the years past. You know, the Bears have always been known as this defensive team, and they've really struggled in that aspect, in my opinion, the last four or five years, up until last year when they got the defense going right. And I think the Khalil Mack trade, I mean, look at, you look at that linebacking crew, of Khalil Mack on one side and Leonard Floyd coming off the other edge with the rookie high draft pick Roquan Smith in the middle. And their the secondary, their corners probably leave a little bit to be desired. But Adrian Amos is a great safety. And so the Bears' defense is right. You know, they got the two-headed running back attack of Howard and Cohen, which, you know. Which is one of the most dangerous in the NFL. We have to mention, you know, Jordan Howard has the third most rushing yards in the NFL over the last two seasons. Exactly. So and, Jordan Tariq, Howard, and Tariq Cohen is one of the mo- most explosive receiving running backs in the NFL. I think I would rank him, you know, top five receiving backs behind Theo Riddick and Kevin other, Coleman, maybe? Kevin Coleman, maybe, in terms of just pure receiving running backs. But, um, yeah, Tariq Cohen in his limited career has been great for Chicago. And so that brings it back to the center of what I wanted to say is, is Mitchell Trubisky the guy for Chicago? You know, a lot of people, you know, Chicago fans think he's going to be the guy. But I'm not, I'm not sold yet. Um, he disappeared last week in the second half against Green Bay when they realistically just needed a, another one score coming out of halftime. One more score. And, you know, they got the one right out of halftime. Yeah, a touchdown. Not, not a field goal, a touchdown. Well, they, needed, they came out of the second half and put up that one score and made that gap that much more for Aaron Rodgers to, to come back with, and he did. So at any time during that second half, outside of that first drive, he needed one score. And Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears didn't get it. And it was just – it was hard to watch because, you know, they were, were struggling to move the ball on offense, and it was 
he wasn't making great plays. Man. Well, and that, and I will, I will also agree with you that that was not a product of the Green Bay defense. That was a product of the Bears' offense just falling over itself. Yeah, it was not good to watch for the Bears in that, in that sort of point of view because, like I said, realistically, the Bears just needed a field goal at another point during that second half to really put that game away, and they couldn't get it. Well, yeah, that's the one thing. Is to me personally, I, I think. Trubisky, when he came out in the draft, he was always going to be one of those quarterbacks that needed a little bit of time before he was going to be the guy. I think with – But they got forced into starting last year. Exactly, exactly. And that's, that was my point is, you know, he, he was pushed into doing it a little bit early. So I think we're going to start to see him come into his own. And I think he's one of those guys that you do give maybe an extra year to team that we want to get into is probably the most surprising team in the NFL through two weeks, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, especially with Ryan Fitzpatrick stepping in for a suspended Jameis Winston and in back-to-back games throwing for over 400 yards with four touchdowns in each game. I mean, Sean, what? You know, the, the beard. It's the beard. Fitzmagic in the beard. That's what it is, man. And, can't and, explain it. And the way and the way that he came out in the post game presser and gold chains and Deshaun Jackson's hoodie, the McGregor look. I couldn't I couldn't ask for any more cockiness or, or just fun out of uh, you know somebody who's supposed to be the backup in Tampa Bay, but you know with with all the production he's got, his wide receivers are going off. Deshaun Jackson is just f- f- burning people on the field. Career revival for Deshaun Jackson, exactly. And I mean that's just I don't know if it's just because of Ryan Fitzpatrick, but. He's always been one of those guys that has been able to show flashes of greatness, but has never been consistent enough to hold down. Never been consistent enough to hold down. We talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick before, and we talked about how he's one of those guys who is going to give you six great games, eight okay games, and two games where he's going to lose you those games. You know, and I don't obviously don't see that out of him at the beginning of the year. But my big question with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is is they got one more week with Jameis on the sidelines. And what if Ryan Fitzpatrick throws for another 404 touchdowns? Can you honestly, even though Jameis Winston was a number one pick here over, what, I think four years ago uh, or five years ago, do you immediately introduce Jameis Winston back into your offense? Or do you give Ryan Fitzpatrick a second to try and get you guys rolling and wait until he screws up until you pull him? And I think the answer is in what you said earlier. Fitzpatrick has been this streaky character his whole career. So I'm in favor of, yeah, you let the Fitzmagic run its path. Once he gets to about, I mean, consistently with his career, he's got about five good weeks a season when he's a full-time starter. You let him start until he has a bad game or until he has a bad half or even a bad quarter, knowing that you got Jameis right there to step in and take his job back. But I think you try and milk Ryan Fitzpatrick for everything that he has to give you this season. Because and at the same time, you're sending Jameis Winston a message. Like, look, dude, these are the issues we had coming out of college. You said you cleaned them up, and here we are. You're suspended the first three weeks. I know that you are adamant that denying it. But at the same time, you put yourself in a situation where this was a thing. So I think it's more of a sending a message to Jameis Winston, like, hey, look, Fitz is playing great. We're going to go with him until he proves he can't do it anymore. You should have been suspended. So I think you take James or take Fitzpatrick as long as you can. 
I, you know, you took the words out of my mouth and saying that Tampa Bay really does need to send, J- send Jameis Winston a message, you know, saying, you know, his, his rookie deal is about up, I'm pretty sure. He's like getting no man's quarterback contract. Exactly. And uh, they got to send him a message that, hey, we can win with somebody else. We can win with somebody who we don't have to do this much for. So you better come out and show that you're the guy. Not only are you the guy, but you're the one who's going to stay clean, who's going to make sure that the team wins, and you're going to be the consummate leader that the Buccaneers need in the first place. Because Ryan Fitzpatrick is a journeyman. He knows how to lead a team. I'm not saying that he, he could do it the entire season like we already mentioned, but I'm in the same boat. You, you better give Fitzpatrick all the reins in the world to ball out until, you know, it, it really is not good for your team. Uh, but I don't see that, you know, happening right away. I do see him playing into week five, maybe week six, but it really depends on how he turns out. And, you know, if, if that Tampa Bay offense keeps working the way it does, I don't see them changing anything in the first few weeks. I mean, why would you? Your team is destroying it right now. Your Tampa Bay is playing way over their ceiling as a team. So exactly, and I I honestly believe that you have Ryan Fitzpatrick to blame for that. Because yeah, exactly. their running their running game has done nothing for them. No, it hasn't. Exactly, and they, I mean they don't even really have a running back. Peyton Barber's their their guy. Uh, Doug Martin's departed. Everybody from down there is kind of exodus from the backfield. So you got to rely on that passing game. And, hey, if Ryan Fitzpatrick Fitzpatrick's going to be that guy, why not? Yeah, I mean, you, like I said, you milk everything he's got until it's gone. Now, speaking of milking everything for what it is, uh, these Lions are really trying to – I hope they're trying to get the suck out of their system in the first couple games of the season. Uh <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to tee you up here, Sean. Uh, put it nice and blatantly. Um, who do you blame or what is wrong with these guys uh, that they, they just haven't shown up at all this year? I put the blame on the head coach because you know why? He was hired as this defensive-minded guy from New England. Defensive-minded. What's our defense done? Nothing. I mean, I, literally, they've literally done absolutely nothing. You don't put all 47 points from the Jets on the defense because of interception returns, punt returns, and an all-around terrible game. But you give up 30 points to a San Francisco team with a no-name running back running for over 150 yards. They don't have their top receiver. Jimmy Garoppolo still not a proven quarterback in my mind. No, he made plenty of mistakes in that game. And at the same time, you've got a good pass rush. And I don't want to hear anything from Lions fans about that missed call at the end of the game. Yeah, that was a terrible call. They called a holding on a play. There was no holding. It cost the Lions a touchdown return on an interception that could have won the game. Don't care. You're better than San Francisco. Shouldn't be in that situation. And at the same time, Matthew Stafford, yeah, his stats, he had a great fantasy game. But uh, in, in game, he overthrew, I think I counted five, five or six open wide receivers for touchdowns. Marvin Jones a couple times. He overthrew Kenny Galladay a couple times. Plays that could have gone for big chunk plays and gotten more points on the board. So if I'm the Lions, I don't feel great about this season. And then one, any, nothing different there. And Sean, Sean, I'm so glad that you brought up the play of Matthew Stafford. 
I have gone gone in on this guy over and over and over. And it is a part of the product of Jim Bob Cooter's play calling because it is the most predictable thing I've ever seen in my life. They run. It's past the point of predictable. I mean, I'm pretty sure the other team literally just has a script of plays that are going to be run. And it's about six different pass plays. Every single time you got two slot guys to cut a mesh across the middle, one tight end and Golden Tate take a two opposite quick slants across the middle. One guy's taking a 10 yard out, whatever side, whatever side of the field is the short side. And you got somebody else running a deeper router, something that never gets thrown to. And then when it did, Matt Stafford, like you said, overthrew his receivers by five, eight, 10 feet sometimes. We're paying yeah. this man $135 million and he still isn't making those throws. Just in this past week, it was funny. I saw a highlight of Brett Favre. And I know I can't, I can't com- like, you know, compare the two completely different players, completely different styles. But just watching Brett Favre pinpoint some throws, you see that Matt Stafford doesn't make these throws all the time. And I still remember the days when he would just be able to actually, and this is not an exaggeration, chuck it up and let Calvin Johnson make a play. And that's, I feel like, where he got his, you know, his reputation. And I'm not saying that Matt Stafford isn't going to be able to, you know, win some games. But I see a huge glaring problem with his play this year. He has not looked like a good quarterback. Like you said, he might have put up some good fantasy numbers. Yeah, he's got 300 yards or whatever. Well, one, they got to get their yards somehow. Still not getting a rushing attack, even with the addition of Carryon Johnson and LeGarrette Blount. And that's also Jim Bob Cooter. The man doesn't call anything unless it's second and 10. He'll call a run play. You know it's coming. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So, you know, I, I have a lot of gripes with the Lions organization right now. You, like you said, it does stem back to the defense as well. I don't know if I can completely put the blame on Matt Patricia after two games. There's been a lot of grumblings about players not liking the way that he runs things. They think he... He kind of treats them like high school kids. Uh, he, you know, it's not, it's not quite the atmosphere that they were all hoping it was going to be, having a Belichick disciple, as everybody's been saying over the last week, take over the team. And, you know, they're, everybody's thinking he's going to be, you know, the son of God, basically, for lack of a better term. And it's, it's obviously not happening. But with Jim Bob Cooter, he needs to change something up as well. That offense – he didn't get fired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as close as we can get to that, yeah, because the defense may be god-awful, but for what we're paying Matt Stafford and what, what our offense is supposed to look like and what he has basically promised that it's supposed to look like, we're supposed to be scoring 30-plus points a game, and it ain't happening. And it, 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 it's a big old conglomeration of people not doing their jobs correctly. That's Matt Stafford. That's Jim Bob Cooter. That's Matt Patricia. It's a lot of the Lions defense, you know, they, they basically got rid of the entire defense from last year. That was top five in the league in a couple categories. And it, it doesn't make much sense to me on Bob Quinn's part in that, that respect. But once again, we have thrown so much money into a quarterback that obviously can't go out like Aaron Rodgers and uh, win a game on his own. Think about that. Aaron Rodgers gets paid a million dollars less than Matt Stafford will um, over their next contract. That's Aaron, not true. After um, Aaron Rodgers, no extension. Well, the, well, the, well, through this contract. 
Oh, through the but, end of the, through the end of the year. Through the no, through the end of this contract, Matt Stafford yeah. is booked for one hundred thirty-five million dollars. Aaron Rodgers is booked for one hundred thirty-four million dollars. Okay, through so to when they're done. Okay, so it, it may not yeah. be the same length or whatever, but you're getting getting a man like Aaron Rodgers. I'm not saying that the Lions could have went out and got a man like Aaron Rodgers. What I'm saying is that you pay a man like Aaron Rodgers the money that they paid Matt Stafford, not somebody like Matt Stafford. Because Matt Stafford has never won anything, and I've never seen Matt Stafford bring the Lions back from 20 points down after halftime. Yeah, he has 30 game-winning drives in the fourth quarter or overtime. Um, that means that the Lions are playing from behind all the time. And it's not always 20 points. He ain't winning no 20-point deficits. He's winning the five-point games that they need to score a touchdown or the, the, the two-point games where they have to get down and kick a field goal. I, I still can't get on – the Lions train as fully as I wish I could be in a Detroiter. I don't think I've ever been emotionally invested in the Lions for that exact reason. And, you know, I'm glad that when they lose, I don't get upset because that's all I don't expect much out of them. And that's the way that I'll put it. And I don't expect much out of them the rest of the year. I know they're not making the playoffs. There's no chance of them winning the NFC North, especially with the Bears coming back. Think about this. The Packers and the Vikings just tied. The Bears, you know, the Packers had to take the Bears all the way down to a last-second drive to beat them. Minnesota looked good in their first game. The NFC North isn't a joke. No, it's not. And the Lions are a joke. So, I mean, that's the best way I can put it, is they haven't, they haven't even lived up to a modicum of what the standard they perceived or want to perceive, and that's pretty disappointing if you ask me. I feel the same way. But before we get too upset we're gonna cut ourselves off there uh this has been a pretty fun episode i'm glad we got to talk a little more in-depth nfl instead of just some pickums or maybe individual players in fantasy but uh definitely keep a lookout throughout the season for more analysis and more pickums we're gonna make sure we get you guys some so in case you're some I guess you're a betting man you can take a look at me i'm i'm pretty sure if i look back i believe i went 10 and 4 last week in my picks so i am pretty happy with that record uh not that was during week one week two is not quite over yet so i can't give you any type of picks that i would have given but either way um as always we want to thank all of you beautiful people for lending your ears to us for just a little while and listening to yet another episode of just saying sports with jake and sean as always we got to tell you our podcasts are available everywhere that you want to listen can listen or may listen So make sure you like, share, subscribe on any and all platforms that you can. Uh, Tell your friends that, you know, we're the smartest guys in sports. I think it's it's pretty obvious. Definitely. You know, I think it's pretty obvious. We're the smartest guys in the the industry. So make sure you tell everybody. And uh, as always, follow our Twitter page at Just Saying Sport. No S at the end. So it's Just Saying Sport. Uh, We've ran a couple little polls and such on there. Sean would like to gloat for a second, I'm sure. Go right ahead. You, the listeners, have voted unanimously outside of Jake's vote for himself that Will Greer is a better Heisman pick than Bryce Love, as I said. So keep a lookout for any more polls. We'll probably post some this week. Uh, just conversations me and Jake have. We'll throw some questions out to you guys. Yeah, we might even toss a couple pick games out there, uh, have you guys help us make our picks for the week. So input is always necessary. But make sure you follow. Yeah, make sure you follow our Twitter. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Jake Atnick. Make sure for sure you follow Sean on Twitter. I believe it's at Dwyer S E three. 
uh, is your Twitter handle since now I had to remember it since you couldn't last time. Of course, yeah. Uh, I'm, and make sure, make sure you guys give us a like wherever you find us. Um, thank you so much for listening. We will be back later this week, probably talking some more football, but, Sean, we've got to let our listeners know. MLB postseason baseball is coming up, so we're definitely yep. going to have another baseball show here in the works. Oh, goody. We got a couple weeks, and we're going to have our end-of-the-season awards and our postseason picks coming up for you guys. So make sure you keep a lookout for that, along with more college football, pro football, and even some hockey talk, because I, I got a chance to brush shoulders with some pretty cool people this week. I, I got to brush shoulders with Chris Draper and Yuri Fisher. Got a chance to interview Justin Abdelkader, Jimmy Howard, and Jeff Blaschel. So we'll be able to talk a little bit of Red Wings on an inside track. So make sure that you come back and uh, listen for, for some more of that. But without further ado, I'm Jake Atnip. I'm Sean DeWire. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.